Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And a good morning at you, and welcome to December, the second, actually. And uh, and it's uh, a Monday after Thanksgiving. Why are the schools closed? Public school. The one near my house was definitely not in operation. Um, please, somebody, don't tell me it's deer hunting season, and that's the reason. Please, don't tell me that. But something's afoot, I think. So I hope you had a good uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Hope nobody came to blows around the Thanksgiving table. I guess our gladiator sport of football could have come in handy for uh, diffusing some of the potential political mayhem just by giving us another kind of mayhem that we can actually get on the same team with. It occurred to me that maybe football could have that effect uh, this weekend. Um, <sighs> um, I'm loathe, as is often the case on Monday, to jump back in. I do give myself some free time, not obsessing over the uh, state of the the country and or the world. Uh, it hasn't improved much since last I, I saw you. In fact, I don't know that it's improved at all. Uh, <coughs> I don't know. So where should we start? Um, okay, we'll start sort of seriously. I'm, um, why am I a definitely a democratic voter, um, especially in uh, these times. Why am I apparently like an awful lot of uh, people who will vote for the Democratic nominee? Why am I unable to know? who the better candidate is and why am I falling out of love with some that I've previously been enamored of? Is it because, and I'm, I'm thinking it's because it's, they haven't changed, my exposure to them uh, collectively and individually um, has been constant and I think because of how long it takes us in this country to do a presidential election and to seek out a party nominee and given the 24-7 uh, news cycle and the nature of our media always looking for tensions and narratives to excite us into reading or watching or listening. I'm thinking that it takes all the air out after a while. I feel already like I look at, I remember <clears throat> the first debates 
<coughs> and looking at those that array of people and thinking any one of them <laughs> would be so much better than the person currently occupying the Oval Office. And I still think that. But I'm not in love. And I, that's not necessary, is it? I'm not in love with anybody. Oh, I've had crushes. And then I learn more and learn more and see this and see that. And of course, the Russians are out there and other operatives are out there putting stuff on social media that I do in jest, not knowing where it's coming from. Little negative story here, little something there that gets Democrats fighting with each other. Divide and conquer is an ex obviously an age-old uh, strategy, and it works. It works. The Republicans are using it. The Russians are using it. It's hard to stay unified when there are all these forces uh, working. And the stakes are so high and you just want the Democrats to prevail however any one of them and I'm serious about that any one of them I saw the two contenders dropped out today I completely forgot they were in. Like, stop the presses. Former Congressman Joe Sestak has dropped out of the race for president. Stop the presses. The governor of what? North Dakota, South Dakota, and one of those depopulated states, uh, has dropped out. Um, <laughs> but there are others that are hanging in there, even though we are told over and over, are we not, that it's sort of down to four? And do you think that's true? I hope it's not. Buttigieg surging. Latest polls show Biden back up. Warren dropping. Sanders staying his bases as solid as Trump's. So you got these four, I might add, white people, three of them old, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm queasy. And there was a piece I read somewhere today about the fact that because Biden Biden has a base, especially older well no, this is what's interesting. Buttigieg's base 
is akin to Biden's. It's older Democrats. A lot of old people like this young whippersnapper. He reminds them of, you know, uh, well, the son they like to have. He's very much a grown-up, and he speaks so well, and there's a Obama-esque quality in his verbiage. Biden seems to have most of the African-American vote, especially older African-Americans. You know who doesn't have the African-American vote? Why am I saying African-American? You know who doesn't have the black vote? Black candidates. I mean, it's amazing. I'm not, I mean, I'm just saying, in general, more blacks are supporting Biden and Sanders, I think, than support Harris or Booker. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. I really am scared. I read another piece that the electoral college advantage that the Republicans surely enjoy. It's like giving them uh, a head start in a in a race. Uh, but some who like crunch the numbers and look at where votes appear to be suggests that they could in fact enjoy even a greater electoral college um, bump than they got in 2016. I don't understand the the thinking behind it. It hurts my head. I try to understand it, but I it hurts my head. So, guys, I'm just, flummoxed, flummoxed, frightened. I am, I admit it, don't have a clue. I'm always amazed at how many people do. They know who the candidate should be. What the hell does it, how do you know? How do you know? I don't know if it should be one of the burn it all down, you know, uh, Warren Sanders, or if it should be the, look, no time to scare away any of the, you know, m in middle of the road kind of people. No time to do that. Let's keep it just good old-fashioned liberal. Better a Biden approach or a Buttigieg approach or a Klobuchar approach. I don't know. I wish to hell I did. 
But in a way, if I absolutely knew who the candidate should be and then I saw it going somewhere else, I'd be a wreck. So I'm just I'm just going to stay in my state of uh, oblivion and uh, confusion and uh, uncertainty and learn to get more comfortable with it. <clears throat> I mean, the importance of getting uh, rid of this president and getting rid of every single Republican office holder who aids and abets his anti-American, dangerous rule. Here's one of the reasons why. A poll came out. Oh, God. And stop with the polls. A poll came out. But this isn't about who's up, who's down, who's this, who's that. It was just a question asking Republicans what they thought of certain presidents, Republican presidents, and who, in fact was the greatest Republican president. You know what's interesting? Stop and think. Ah! 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 Stop and think. Remember a guy named Ronald Reagan? Really? Have you heard his... Remember how his name was uttered every few seconds by any Republican candidate, his legacy, his popularity, his this and that. And when Republicans now are asked, who is the greatest Republican president? Reagan does not come up first. Reagan does not come up second. I actually don't know where the hell Reagan ends up. They might have already forgotten him. Because as we hear, and it's true, the Republican Party is no longer Reagan's party. The reality is now, astonishingly, that a majority of Republicans think that Donald Trump is the greatest Republican president and, in fact, better than Abraham Lincoln. Remember Donald Trump finding out for the first time that uh, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican? He was shocked. I, I, he tweeted something like, and few people know Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. A majority of Republicans say Donald Trump is a better president than Abraham Lincoln. And that's all you need to know. God help us. Seriously. God help us. Can I do a, a, a few uh, pet peeves here? 
it always seems it's over the weekend that uh, they come to me because I'm I'm out and about more and uh, and I remember oh god that annoys me I've got to I've got to vent about it um Have you ever, like, as a customer, had, um, you know, a, an experience, your customer experience? And it's usually with a pretty large outfit. So uh, this would be, like, uh, the last time it happened to me, it was an auto dealer. Um, or it could be a utility that you've, you know, like your cable company that you've called. Usually when you call them, you're a wreck. And um, you're asked, you know, at the end to take a survey. Well, when you have called, when you have, usually this happens though in person. You've just had the experience. You've bought something. You've gotten a service of some sort. And as you're checking out, so to speak, you are told by the earnest person who's been serving you. Now, you'll, you will get an uh, emailed um, survey about your experience today, and I, I hope that, you know, you give me all tens. Give me all tens, because a nine is like, <coughs> the only thing they want to see are tens. And here's what I want to say. First of all, if you have a workforce that has been terrorized into begging the people they've been waiting on to lie for them so they will keep... I mean, that's disgusting. If you're a company that creates that kind of anxiety in your employees or puts them up to that, I don't know. How are the results of any customer service survey that you get going to be worth anything? Because it's hard for me to have dealt with somebody and then upon hearing that even a nine, which is like, I'm really happy, is not good enough and that they could suffer in some way. Well, you know... So I filled one out the other day, and I just did 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And then I thought, what the hell am I doing? What is that about? This has happened to me more than once. i got to have all 10s. And you know what was interesting? Is one of the myriad questions that I was asked to rate was, did your uh, service representative in any way suggest that you give them all tens. I'm not kidding. Well, yeah, but I'm not going to say that. I don't want to be responsible. I hate corporate America. I just, I'm sorry. The practices that are just the regularly run-of-the-mill kind of uh, practice today is demeaning to their employees. 
is annoying and anxiety producing to their customers and I for one don't ever want to. As a matter of fact, I decided last night I'm going to write the head of the auto dealership specifically because that was my most recent um, occasion to see this stupidity in action. And I'm going to tell him this is useless. I'm sorry. That was one pet peeve. Milton writes, Hi, Lynn. I'll remind you that you that you black people, you didn't mean to say you black people, although, I'll, man, I'll be an honorary black person any day. I'll remind you that black people did not support Obama either until he won Iowa. Um, yeah. Because they couldn't imagine that white people would vote for a black guy named Barack Obama. For the most part, Milton says, black people are more pragmatic. Yeah, see, I am too. I want to win. We'd rather support someone we think has a chance to win, especially in this dangerous and toxic political climate, than someone who looks like us. Neither of the black candidates this time have ever been convincing as possible victors. I thought Harris came out of the gate pretty, but boy, is she taking a dive. So just Harris and Booker, and they're both just can't get themselves to get into that top tier. Well, I appreciate that from you, Milton, but... Um, so are black people better at picking winners? <laughs> are you guys right about that Biden's the guy? If Biden's the guy, I got to tell you, the vice presidential slot is huge. Huge. I wish I could figure it out, but I cannot. Barbara sends this, the Oxford word of the year. Is not a word, it's two words. <laughs> they can have two words as the word of the year? I guess they can. It's climate emergency. I don't know. Whatever, God knows. God knows there is one. Ooh, and speaking of that, found an interesting piece uh, about how, you know, California, the idea of California was always a place where the sun always shines, where you, you're always, as a matter of fact, I was watching some stupid show last night, and one of the characters actually said it never rains in California. Um, there's even a song, it never rains in Southern California. Right? Well, that's how California has always sold itself. But it turns out that with the climate emergency, with the warming of the planet and the warming of California, that there are people in California who wish the sun would go away some of the time. So that now a valued commodity in California is shade. Shade. Something that will give relief from 
that pounding California sun. And people looking into this, shade of course is mostly gotten from trees, people looking into this, if you look at where the shade is in, just let's take Los Angeles, if you look at where the shade is in L.A., guess where it is? Right, it's where the rich people live. Rich people get the shade. Where poor people live, where black people live, it's hard to find a tree. There is no shade. And those same people are the people that are forced to be out in it. They don't have cars, and not to have a car in L.A. is rough. But you wait for buses, and the bus stops do not have shade. So, says here that some people realize that they have got to start bringing shade, especially to poor neighborhoods and poor people. There's a group actually trying to figure out how to shade 70, 750 bus stops in the hottest areas of the city. But this is not surprising. The rich have the shade. The rich also, though, have the air conditioning. <laughs> the rich are comfortable. It's the poor people. And trees are also, or lack thereof, a public health issue. Uh, the more trees a neighborhood has... Uh, the lower the asthma rate, the lower hospital visits during heat waves, and um, better mental health. You wouldn't think just something as seemingly inconsequential as the lack of trees can be just another indicator of how the poor get screwed. Is that caller still there? Caller, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey, uh, you were talking about the election earlier. I think uh, as soon as we get, like Buttigieg, he might win Iowa in that. I think once he gets out of the race, because... He'll drop like a, you know, hot potato here pretty soon because he doesn't have – he's at zero at the black vote. So you can't win the black vote. You lost the election. So he's not going to get that. He'll be out. And then it'll probably – it's going to be Biden. I mean, there's no other turn because they don't like the socialist stuff. So we're, we're going to be – we're going to have Biden, and Biden's going to win. And that's how you got to believe because if you sit there and think, oh, we're going to lose, I, I – some negative as I can be, I still every election – in every football game, I always think we're going to win because I just can't see put myself through that clear till next year. <laughs> so I'm, I got the attitude we're going to win. I, I think we are, though, because I think the numbers that are our favor, just like that guest you had on last week, he has it. That's what I've been hearing. Trump is in trouble. He's in, he's in the red. He's in trouble in these states. He don't get the same people 
And I think he's going to lose this time. I okay. really believe it truly that he's going to lose. Okay. I don't well, know if that pep jump in here, but <laughs> that's how I believe it. I okay. can't think of it any other way on North. Okay. Well, I hope you turn out to be a great uh, seer, and uh, this your prophecy will will come uh, to be. Yeah. I, thank you. <laughs> thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. All right. Bye. 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 Um, look, I'm, it's, I'm not saying that Trump's going to win. I'm saying he can win. I know the majority of the country does not want him. It's clear. Even those who might like his policies, the whole bunch of them who cannot stand the man and cannot stand the environment, the toxic, hateful environment that has come with him. Um, but the way our system works and the fact that it can be manipulated by foreign governments by others with uh, bad and corruptive intent leads me to be nervous. The Electoral College is reason to be nervous. I don't, I, I just don't know. It seems, in my rational head, it seems absurd to think that this most repulsive and incompetent president in American history would gain a second term. But here's why that's not comforting. That's my rational mind. And as you know, we're not living in a rational time. We're living in a time of the big lie, of everybody gets their own set of facts, of shameless prevarication. I don't know. No, this person, you're not going to see me relax until... Well, until we win. So it'll be the day after the election. If we win, um, I'll finally come down from my um, defensive crouch. I, I can't forget the astonishment of the first Trump win <laughs> where we were wrong, just totally wrong. So we were wrong in the candidate we chose. We were wrong in who was going to win. We were, not them, we. The voting machine situation has not been corrected. There's just a lot of reason to be nervous. And anyway, it is my nature. <laughs> I... Even medicated. I'm a wreck, okay? I just am. And now we're heading into the actual Judiciary uh, Committee taking over uh, the impeachment. And that starts Wednesday. And the White House has already said, we're not taking part because this is unfair. Okay, um, 
But Jerry Nadler, who will be heading the House Impeachment Committee, is no Adam Schiff. They are different. Schiff is this very controlled former prosecutor, clear, and, and, and obviously ran an extremely tight ship. Nadler is more of a, let it go, let it all out there. Also, and I did not know this, Schiff's committee, which was the Intelligence Committee, has, is a smaller committee, and it has different rules than the Judiciary Committee. And the Intelligence Committee rules are much tighter. They, and because the Intelligence Committee is often taking up issues of, uh, you know, national security. And, uh, and so their ruling, the committee is smaller the the kind of things that are available for control of a committee hearing are greater. Nadler doesn't have any of that. The Judiciary Committee is like the wild, wild west. He does not, by rule, even as chairman, have the same control of the committee and the process that Adam Schiff had. And so Republicans will be taking advantage of that and will be looking to create as much of a confusing circus as they can. And circus seems to be what they're really good at these days. So expect um, Republican narratives that have no, no standing whatsoever in the rational world to be out there in full display. I don't know. It's not going to be pretty. I'm just saying. Another pet peeve, and this is obviously, this is something that does drive me crazy. I walk. Um, I have a dog. That's a big reason. I walk. And I walk on what? What do people walk on? What is pedestrians? I suppose bikes now have their lanes, cars have the street, and I have the sidewalk, Okay? I cannot tell you how many times I am on a sidewalk and I have to get off the sidewalk and enter the street and walk around a car that is parked on the sidewalk. Now, there are parts of Pittsburgh, because it's an old city, very narrow roads, and I can see where it makes some sense for a car, if they're going to want any other car to be able to use the street, 
to edge onto the sidewalk a bit. But the thing is, where I live, that is not the case. The streets are not narrow. And people literally park, and these are, they park on the sidewalk. And these, this is in a nice neighborhood. And here's what I'm betting. Anybody who parks on a sidewalk like that doesn't use a sidewalk for what its purpose is, to walk. If I were a real jerk, if I did things like key cars, <laughs> man, I have wanted to. There have been times, literally, where I am like trying to get in between a car and a tree and a this and a that, and it's because there might be something in the street that I don't want my dog going. I The sidewalk is for me. Jesus. Stop parking on the sidewalk. Thank you. I was supposed to feel better after that. I don't. Do you know what I did Saturday night all by myself? It's gone down so you can't tell. I gave myself a fat lip. <laughs> I've mentioned the dog. I was playing with the dog. We were tugging on something. He is strong as hell. I consider it great exercise, though. I'm pulling. I'm pulling! He's pulling. I'm pulling. And then I don't know what the hell happened. He let go as I was pulling. And damn if my fist didn't ricochet and hit myself right in the lip. I mean... I almost knocked myself out. I put ice on it immediately, but I could just feel it like I put ice on it. I drew no blood. But that's one of those things where, you know, you thank your lucky stars that you were alone. <laughs> that's one of those things where if it happened and there were other people there, well, this is what we know about humor, right? Mostly what makes us laugh is the misery of others. Or somebody, it was the classic slipping on a banana peel, right? <laughs> so, jeez, pow! Unbelievable. Yeah, I almost forgot to tell you that because it's okay now. Jeez. Hey, just saying. Oh, this was a feel-good piece that I saw. It was in the Washington Post today. This is so funny. There's a new email server. And everything that I send myself, so I have it here, um, you know, this is from the Washington Post. And I try to open it, but here's what comes up on this stupid server. This message contained some potentially harmful content, which has been disabled. Wait till you hear what the piece is. There is no that this comes up no matter what it is. It could be 
It could be a story about uh, making apple pie, and this would come up. This message contained some potentially harmful content, which has been disabled. So I cannot open it until I then disable the message that disabled the email. It's a story about two guys somewhere in Pennsylvania. It is not made clear. I'm looking at a picture of them. They look like such nice guys. One is 88 years old, and he's the young one. The older one is 102. He used to be an ad man, worked in the advertising uh, world. The young'un, 88 years old, uh, was a consultant of some sort. They both now are residents at a retirement, in a retirement community. Um, and they have created a CD, which you can get online, and I swear I might want to get it just to hear what they've done. They've created, uh, they've written songs. And and people apparently just love them. They organized a jazz band. They play piano on all the songs. They sing. The 102-year-old the is the guy who I think is writing the music. No, he's writing the lyrics. And the lyrics are, well, I, here's one. I just love this. And I wish I knew what the melody was, but... Here's, they're sort of like, you know, Cole Porter-like. I mean, that which is the greatest compliment when it comes to lyrics, okay? So here's this 102-year-old, and he's written this, and I don't know what the tune is, but here's part of something. And it's, um, it's called, I Just Can't Remember Your Name. You're so engaging, but we're both aging. What was once on the tip of my tongue seems to elude me. So I say crudely, it ain't like it was when I was young. I know I ought to kiss you, but baby, there's an issue. I just can't remember your name. I love it. It's a problem I have, too. A 102-year-old. I mean, he looks so happy. They've spent 30 to 40 hours uh, every week doing the lyrics and music <coughs> for the album. <coughs> and, uh, oh, they're in Bryn Mawr. Um, and I'm trying to say... The CD is uh, downloadable online for $9.99. It's called the Senior Song Book. If anybody, I, I'm, I'm going to have to do it. The Senior Song Book. Uh, according to CDBaby.com, the CD version is already sold out. That went for $16.95. The CD, well, it's an older audience. They're going to buy the CD, right? And they're taking uh, names for a waiting list for that. 
but oh oh uh the lyrics are available online oh here are some lyrics oh my god here's a song called wonder woman help me this is this is where i like to be now with stuff like this i mean this is called wonder woman you don't read the sunday book review to pick your books and you don't need fancy makeup to improve your looks. And you never talk to me like you were baby snooks. You're a wonder woman to me. You can do a crossword puzzle while you're eating lunch. You can pick the derby winner simply on a hunch. Play a hand of poker with a rough, tough barroom bunch. You're a wonder woman to me. I love these guys. You have me bedazzled. How come you're never frazzled? You can eat a box of chocolates, but don't gain weight. You can drive a car in traffic, and you're never late. Seems there isn't anything, my friend, that you can't do. Do you wonder, woman, why I love you? How cute is that? Okay, one more verse of Wonder Woman, and I'll leave you alone. When you fly across to London, it's to see the queen. And the queen politely asks you, honey, where have you been? You reply, your majesty, where I can make the scene. You're a wonder woman to me. When your banker came and told you you were overspent, you replied, I'm going to pay you every doggone cent. Next day they elected you the president and you are a wonder woman to me. If you disappeared quite suddenly, without a trace, I would find you if I had to go to outer space, bring you back with me to lots of old-time hoop-dee-doo. Never wonder, woman, why I love you. I'm telling ya, I'm telling ya, I love these guys. Okay, so uh, there it is. A senior songbook. Um, never too late for love. Oh. Oh. Can I do one more? I'm sorry. I don't care, okay? This is never too late for love, and I don't know what the tune is. I'm too old for running at 39, a stop sign. I don't know if that's true. And 39 a step. Too old to settle for cheap wine. Too old for blurting out the same old line, but never too late for love. I can't wait till eight for my dinner. Can't let my figure get thinner. I'll tell you why I will come out a winner. It's never too late for love. Too late for crying, sighing, denying. It's lonely when you're alone. I have a reason. No teasing. I'm pleasing. The one girl I want for my own. I'm too young to give up and cash out. Too old for taking the trash out. Just whistle, baby, and you'll see me dash out. Because it's never too late for love. I'm in love with this 102-year-old geezer. I am in love. I wonder if he likes young, young women. I mean, <sighs> hey, baby, I'm telling you, here I am.
Uh, okay, let me get back to... Oh, I'm doing a show? I didn't even realize that. I thought I was uh, reading lyrics. Hang on, I've lost my, my window. Oh, God, I hate this server. I hate this server. I hate this. I hate this. Um, here we go. Oh, Milton, of course. So thank you for that. He's got a YouTube if I can't remember your name. Um, <laughs> well, Catherine writes, I might feel a little better because our caller, who's normally a bit negative, I would say, right? Isn't he? I mean, I would think generally the caller is... Yeah, down, down in the dumps, angry. But she says, if the caller, Joe, is optimistic, then maybe I can be too. So look at that, you see? It's, it's uh, catchy. Contagious, as it were. I was reading today about um, about the two people who were killed on the London Bridge, and oh God, why, why, why? Twenty-two, twenty-five, both college graduates, both working on a program to help people who were in prison. In other words, two wonderful young people. The one thing that made me laugh huh, about that horrific story was that the killer in part, was taken down by a narwhal tusk. Do you know that? The narwhal is a, um, a whale, I believe. <laughs> and where this uh, rampage happened uh, was at the end of, of London Bridge. And... Um, and there was a uh, a place, uh, a building there, uh, which is called Fishmonger's Hall. And um, Fishmonger's Hall has a lot of ornate decorations. Uh, and there are two massive narwhal tusks. The narwhal is a whale that's like a unicorn. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen video of it? I mean... They're these huge whales, and they've got this this unicorn. They have this long thing. So there were two uh, narwhal tusks hanging on the wall of Fishmonger Hall, and some guy uh, grabbed one off the wall and in and ran onto the the bridge with this. Um, yeah. Somebody said, there's something very British about fighting a terrorist with something as surreal as a narwhal tusk. You know, we don't carry weapons in this country. 
but we do have narwhal tusks lying around. So, yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, actually, the guy who grabbed the tusk was a Polish chef. So, there you have it. Um, and just one, one more word about narwhals. Caller, I hear, I see you there, and I, I'm coming right at you. Um, here's just a little more, because I, I didn't, I don't know that I'd ever seen a picture of one of these things. It's like a, 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 a unicorn. So, somebody's saying here, the beauty of narwhals is that they were always these really mysterious creatures. For centuries, no one really knew what the heck they were. And when they would find these tusks, they assumed they were unicorns. The tusk is, in fact, a tooth up to 10 feet long. It can spiral as it grows. So they're, like, incredibly beautiful. Um, some males have actually sprouted two. And the tusk of, uh, has up to 10 million nerve endings and sensory capabilities. Jeez. Anyway. Uh, they are unicorn-like, not just in their appendages, but in their elusiveness. They are one of the mammals about which we know least. They spend the winter months dodging pack ice where humans cannot go and can swim a mile deep, twisting upside down as they descend into pitch black water. They are, of course, under threat today because of the climate emergency. Because the ice that they go to for cover is disappearing. The Vikings sold the tusks a lot. And the trade in narwhal tusks strengthened during the Middle Ages when the unicorn becomes a symbol of Christ. Elizabeth I had several narwhal tusks. Philip of Spain had 12. I'm just saying. All right. So the narwhal tusk was part of the... Hey, caller, are you still there? God bless you. Hello. Hello. Hey, hello. This is Dave from Washington. How hey, Dave. Dave from Washington. Hi. I haven't been able to call you much lately, so I thought I'd get one in today while I could. Okay. Um, I, am a, I am, as I have pointed out many, many times on your show, a registered independent because I think the Democrats are a bunch of idiots, although I vote for them every time because I despise Republicans. But there's one thing Democrats do better than anybody else, and that's blow elections. <laughs> um, and I am worried about this one coming up. Yeah. First off, I, I can't really vote for anybody in the primary because, like I said, I am an independent. Um, the reason why I am supporting Biden at this point is because I think after the turmoil of these four years we're in the midst of now, I don't need radical jumps to the left or you know anything like that. I need calm, quiet, competent presidency. And I think Biden provides that. Um, as much as I like uh, Warren and uh, Biden, um, I think they're um, and Bernie. You mean? Is a loser. 
Yeah, wait. Uh, Bernie, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. You think they lose? Yeah, Bernie, Bernie. I think they lose. Because? The uh, Medicare for All is a loser. Medicare for All. Uh, Medicare for anybody who wants it, yes. What Biden wants to do is put Obamacare back together and put in a public option. That is a winner. America likes the Affordable Care Act. They really do. They want to see it put back together and you throw in a public option, which is Medicare for anybody who wants it, and it becomes a very appealing policy. Telling people it might be the absolute perfect thing to do, go to Medicare for all. It doesn't matter. People, people aren't going to vote for you for that. They're not going to vote for you. So Sanders and Warren are not going to get I don't. I don't believe they're going to win, no matter how good they are. And I don't want that much of a radical jump right now anyways. I just want somebody to settle everything down. Well, what if the Democratic and, platform has Medicare for all? Uh, then they're going to lose. And that's why I refuse to join their stupid party, because they are idiots if they think they're going to win based on that. Just read the damn polls. People don't want it. Offer it to them, and then as everybody slowly migrates over to it and we just de facto end up with that, well, then fine. You can't force it on them. You have to offer it to them. This is why I refuse to join their damn party. Americans, by nature, are cautious, don't like radical change. Mm-hmm. And they you're saying... Be told do told what to do. Huh? Yeah, or be told what to do. Right. They, 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 you give them the option, and maybe they'll do it. But don't tell me I have to give up my private insurance for Medicare. Offer it to me, and in time I'll look at it and say, you know what, it is a better policy. I'm going to go with that. That's the way you do it. You make it available to anybody who wants it. But you can't force it on them. It does not matter if it's the best idea in the world. They're not going to go for it. Well, the left, you know, the left does have a tendency to try to force people into behavior that they don't want. It's sort of like, you know, legislate. I I, I do, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think you make a, a, a very good point. Biden does not excite me, but maybe, as you say, we've had enough excitement. <laughs> and yeah, maybe I just... I quiet competency right now. I don't even I know how competent he is. is. I mean, seriously, I don't know how competent he is. But he knows how it works. He knows how he can start to repair our our position in the world. Um, and he knows how to listen to other people. Hmm. I mean, he is very much in the Obama mold. Um, I don't think he's quite the intellectual that Obama was. Oh, um, definitely not. Somebody like that again, though. You know, maybe Warren. I think Elizabeth Warren has the best brain of all of them. But I'm not so sure how electable she is. But well, I'm starting to wonder, too. I, I, I just, God. But isn't that interesting that w- w- our best bet is an old white man? Yep. Well. Yep. Right now, I just want to get back to what we were. I'm not worried about let's have an exciting future and do things differently. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get around to that. But right now, let's just put the world back together the way it was before this catastrophe happened. But that's what Democrats always have to do. They always have to clean up the unbelievable mess 
that the Republican administration has created. I give you George W., the last one. And and we never get to do what we would do. All we do is clean up. Right. Uh, Clinton, he had to clean up uh, 12 years of uh, Reagan-Bush and did a great job. And then uh, the next Bush comes in and everything just goes to hell in a bucket. So then Obama comes in and cleans it all up. And now we're going to do the exact same thing again. That's why we never get Uh, anywhere. Democrats are very, very good at uh, legislating. They're lousy at winning elections. And the Republicans are the exact opposite. They they beat everybody, but they have absolutely no idea how to govern. It's like those trucks I see. uh, I forget what it's called. It's like disaster cleanup. It's like if something terrible happens in your house. It's like, you know, that's what the Democrats are. Disaster cleanup. That's all they do. Because there's no time to... That's all that, that because that's it takes that long to clean yep. up after these sons of bitches, these treasonous Putin treason. Bluff. Yes. Okay, Dave. Thank I wanna, you. I want to I want to print up a bunch of T-shirts and say I believe Putin. And next time there's um, a Trump rally, go sell them and see how many of his people <laughs> and don't what? realize that I'm jabbing them. Hey, this is a good uh, uh, campaign uh, slogan here. I believe Putin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you might uh, be on to some uh, entrepreneurial uh, score there. So, hey, thank you. Always a, always nice Love to it. hear from you. Okay. Okay, Lynn. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Right. Bye. And thank you all. And uh, I'll see I'll see yins tomorrow. And my sister Susan should be joining us, I would imagine. Um, have a good rest of your day. from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.